This is where we see if this works or not. Is it working? We're on, great. Right, good morning, everyone. Um, so nice to be here. This takes me back to sitting in a really hot, sweaty room about two months ago and thinking it'd be a good idea to text Andrew and say, oh, I'd love to speak at church sometime about some of the stories that we're you know, encountering. So standing here, just making me imagine Will with the mosquito bat, zzz, zzz, trying to get them, you know, the sweat dripping down, the fans that have been off, and now suddenly we're here, so, you know, wow. So who am I? That's what I've put on my thing. Who am I? I'm, I'm, my name's Lucy, as Dan said. I love working here at the Oak Church, and I've got an incredible family who I think might pop up on the screen. Um, so my husband, Will, and we've got Jack, Olivia, and Jessica. And so, you know, I do many things, but most of my time you'll find me around children or youth or anything educational. Um, I'd say that my greatest passions are children, education. Learning is probably a new passion of mine, learning from other people and other cultures and other places. Um, and Jesus is another one of my passions that we try and mingle into all of those. So before I begin sharing some stories, and we're going to be focusing on prayer today, I had to indulge myself with four, only four photos from the last three months. Because if you don't know, we spent, um, me and my family, spent the last three months, um, well, before Christmas, living in rural India on the East Coast, so right by the Bay of Bengal. And we were working alongside a charity there, um, helping with education, helping with a school that we set up about seven years ago. And it's just been an incredibly incredible experience, if you can use those two words together, but also a really challenging experience. Um, that it was probably our most challenging trip yet. And um, lots of things we just were challenging, we'll just say. So let me show you some pictures so you can kind of see where the stories are coming from today. And then... I'll start. So here we've got a typical kind of street. So you've got your tin houses, you're very colourful, um, motorbikes everywhere, but very basic. So, and this is the kind of community we were living in. We didn't have a house like this. We paid a little bit more for a slightly bigger house that had more protection, like gates to stop the monkeys coming in and things like that. Um, but generally, the, the people we're working with, this is where they would live, and they would have maybe one room or two rooms that would become the kitchen and the bedroom and the lounge and the living room, the playroom and everything else. So, um, yes, so that, and most of the time cooking would be just on with fire or maybe with a hob. You certainly had no ovens, <laughs> no fridges, things like that. So that's picture number one. Let's have a look at the next. So this, I love this picture. This, I just wanted to show this picture because it kind of demonstrates the vibrancy, the colour, um, the fact that you're never on your own. There are people everywhere all the time. So this is when we went to visit Rena's um, village and Rena is, is one of the ladies in that picture and she's of the lowest caste um, and for, for many, many years people would just not speak to her, not touch her because of that. And um, she now runs the whole of the... What is it, Will? The... Yeah, like a cleaning maintenance team for the 160 staff at Love the One, and she's a leader, an amazing leader. And so, you know, yeah, so every person there's got a story. But um, this picture just shows you the colour, the life, the fact that everything's in community, which we just loved. Um, so, yeah, next picture. 
So, this is Jack at the local shop. I miss the local shop so much. So, um, this is at the end of our street, and you'd go, and um, often you can buy things with one or two rupees, so you could bribe the kids with homework, and one rupee is one pence. So two rupees is just two p. So I'd be saying, oh, if we get any subordinate clauses in our writing today, kids, we can have two rupees and collect them. I've got seven of them. Right, there you go. And so, yeah, that, that, that's kind of the, the place where we'd go and do our shopping. So you'd often get your vegetables and your fruit if they're not too mouldy by then. <laughs> and um, lots of, like, the, the packets are, like, soap conditioner or, ha you know, hair shampoo in little five rupee sachets. Um, it just gives you a bit of an idea when you're walking through Asda that this is the kind of shops that we were working, uh, were working in, were shopping in. And then the final picture, I had to, I wanted to do way more than this, but just to show you the school. So this is um, John's class in class one, and he has 50 children in his class. <laughs> 50 children and a whiteboard, um, and he's amazing, but it kind of just shows you, yeah, what we've created there and some incredible kids in a safe, environment, learning together, um, and I spent most of my time there. So thank you for indulging me for walking down memory lane. I, f I feel that showing you those photos just helps with the context of the stories that you'll be hearing. You can kind of maybe even visualise it. So yeah, as I've said about 18 times already, today's about just sharing stories, but I really wanted to focus, um, you know, just kind of, what am I trying to share here and why? And, and I felt that all the stories, just the common theme was prayer. And I'd already written about 18 different versions of what I'm about to say, but I just kept thinking, right, no, I'll change. And then I landed on, yeah, this feels right. And then Mez pointed out, oh, the week of prayer's coming up. That's perfect. So I really felt that was a confirmation from God to kind of say, yes, you're on the right track. So I'm just going to frame today with some scripture. Um, but I did want to point out that Everything I'm saying today is not, it's not just about me or because we've been to India. This can't happen with you. I just really feel that um, God's got something to say to each and every one of us today, here, in Farsley, in Leeds, in Swinnow. You know, so just do be kind of asking that question to God, what are you wanting to say to me? So let me take us just quickly to Ephesians um, 3, verse 20. Uh, I'm going to read it in two versions. Um, and I, just, I, felt, I felt this scripture just to to frame so we can lift our eyes to God and see what he has to say. So now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us. And I'll just read that in another translation, um, the message version I just love. God can do anything, you know, far more than you could ever imagine or guess or request in your wildest dreams. He does it not by pushing us around, but by working within us. His spirit deeply and gently within us. And you know, I just felt that was so important. Immeasurably more. We want to see that, don't we? In our wildest dreams, working within us, not pushing us, working within us deeply and gently. They're all like, I think, really key, key parts of that. So let's move to the next slide. So I, I feel that God has been teaching me lots of things in this season. I feel like he's been teaching me that I can come to him in all situations. Um, I think God's been teaching me that he loves it just when I speak to him. And for some people, prayer sounds a bit like, oh, but prayer is just speaking to God, speaking to your father. And some of my 
prayers in these stories have been shouts and screams, as well as, you know, calm and still times. I feel God's been teaching me that I don't need to come to him as a last resort. And, you know, we do. I, I do so often. Um, I really feel like he's been saying, come to me first and see what I will do immeasurably more. Um, I feel like he's been teaching me that I can just trust him and not have to lean on my own abilities or, or anything else. I can just trust in him. And so, yeah, again, be asking, what, God, what are you wanting to say to me today? So we've got in these stories, which I will finally get to, <laughs> the four kind of four Ps that kept coming out, and they were power, pain, peace, and presence. And I just think they're really key um, to keep coming back to. So we'll leave those on the screen. So let me tell you about the miraculous release I've titled each one. Um, so one of my favorite things that happened over the last three months um, was that a lady from our school, a Hindu lady, um, she's somebody that never stops smiling, constantly smiling. Um, and sadly, she lost her husband a while, a while ago, which is a, quite a major thing for, all, for anybody that that happens to. But she had to leave the family and go back to her mother's house. And there was a lot of shame involved in that. And so let's call this lady Pushpa. So Pushpa, um, one day her sister came to her distraught. And she was just, she didn't know what to do. And she's like, what's happened? What's happened? And Pushpa's sister's husband had basically been um, arrested because his friends had done something terrible. I think they'd actually murdered somebody. But he'd been involved in it because he gave them a litre of petrol when they asked. So he'd given this petrol in the bottle and they'd used it to go do whatever they were doing. And so he'd been taken to jail. And, you know, this is now, there's two sisters. Their husband's not there and she's distraught. She doesn't know what to do. And so Push was thinking, really finding this really heavy. How are we going to help? There's no way he's going to be able to get out of prison. Like, once they're taken in, it's the, the system's corrupt. And he didn't actually do anything, you know. Um, they weren't asking about alibis or anything. And so she just said to her friend, who also goes to, kind of came to our sort of small group out there, and we were doing lots of worship nights and prayer nights and just reading God's word together. Um, so let's call this lady Dipti. Um, she said to Dipti, who's a friend, oh, what, what am I going to do? And Dipti just took out her Bible from her bag. And she said, take this. And just pray to Jesus. He will do something. And so this, this Hindu lady, Push was thinking, okay, well, I already prayed to like 33 million gods, so I'll just, I'll pray to Jesus and we'll see what happens, you know. So she took this Bible, and I'm not saying you need a Bible to pray, but in this case, this is what happened. And she took the Bible, took it home, and she spent all day praying to Jesus. She was touching the Bible. It's probably quite an extensive, long prayer. But she spent the day dedicated, like, Dipti said, this is going to happen, I'm going to do it. She's praying, praying, praying. Okay? Not only, like, Dipti's out on a limb here, because, you know, she said to a friend, but Pushpa's in this, you know, dedicated prayer. And that night, the husband gets released. Nobody else. No, no lawyers went. Nobody had to go and advocate for them. They hadn't paid anybody. But he just got released. And, you know, he came home. And so when I saw her on Sunday, and I'm saying, what are you doing at church? Thinking, she told me this story, and she said, I know that Jesus did it. He did it. And I was thinking, yes, he did. Wow, this is amazing. And Ditch's faith was built. She's running around, like, can't she smiles a lot anyway. She can't stop smiling. And everybody's sharing this story of I took the Bible, I prayed to Jesus, he was released. So, you know, it was just, it was just an incredible answer to prayer and power 
Like, she experienced firsthand the power of Jesus. And there was no question in her mind that Jesus did it. And she said, I'll be coming back to church again and again to come and thank Jesus. And so we were able to share with her the gospel and that Jesus loves you. And you don't have to just come to church to worship him. He wants to be part of your life. And um, so, yes, yeah, so that is the first story, the miraculous release. So that was a real faith-building story for us. And okay, I suppose a couple of questions. You know, how did Dipta's faith, the one who gave the Bible, how does that make you feel? There's a lot of people that maybe I should be stepping out and kind of doing that. She was so brave and so faith-filled. Um, and, you know, are you longing to see a powerful move of God in your life? So just a kind of couple of questions to think about. So the next story I'm going to talk about is the green machine. Um, but we, it might be named something else in a minute when you see the picture. Um, so when we arrived in India, um, we were struggling to get around, really. You know, you're plonked into a place where everything's different. You don't even know how to like, get a battery for the light that's broken. And, you know, um, travel is, is a really difficult one. So we had this amazing auto driver called Santano. And he was great, but actually he wasn't that great because he always ripped us off and he was always late and it was really stressful, but he was lovely. So Santana would wobble his head and arrive like 45 minutes, <laughs> we're all waiting in the heat to go shopping. And, um, you know, day after day, the first kind of like month, it was just getting more and more stressful. We were just feeling like trapped, really. We couldn't just get to where we needed to be. If there's an emergency, we can't get anywhere. We needed to be here, we've just missed that because we're late, we can't, you know. So we just talked about it. We talked first, me and Will, and, you know, what are we going to do? Should we get a car hire? Um, that would look really extravagant because we looked it up and you had to go to the capital, which is about four hours' drive away. Then we'd come back with a big Jeep and it'd be really embarrassing. It would have been about £300, which we, we thought, oh, it's probably worth it, but we just felt it's just not going to look like what we'd like it to look like. We're, we're living in, in a really poor area. And so, you know, we debated, and I think I said to Rebecca as well, oh, we just need this car, and, and anyway, so we just prayed about it, and we just said this really flippant prayer, and just said, God, we just need a really rusty old banger that we can just get around, that, you know, that fits in, and we just, yeah, that's what we need. We, it's not going to happen, because there's motorbikes everywhere, and most people don't, can't afford a car, let alone an extra spare car, but, you know, and all the rusty old bangers that we did see on the road were literally, like, no wheels on them. And so, you know, we just, we just prayed that and thought, right, again, we'll have to kind of solve this one ourselves. But um, the next day, or the day after the next day, can't quite remember, but it was very soon after, I get this like excited phone call from Will. And he's saying, Lucy, you'll never guess what. I'm like, what? He's like, we found a rusty old banger. I'm like, no way. Where? And he said, oh, Rosemary and Rupert, they had like this old car that they're not using. 50 quid, they're going to lend it to us for two months. And we were just like, this is awesome. So now you can see the green machine, although it does look blue, but I promise it was green. And, um, and, and this became like the biggest, well, not the biggest, but a massive answer to prayer for us. And you know, it was a small thing in, in the grand scheme of it. God, we just need some wheels. But it was a huge thing because it was like the exact words and phrasing and we just said, God, we just need this. Like, you know, and he loves to give good gifts to his children. Um, and so it's exactly what we needed. And you know, the green machine, there were ants living in the rust like, that would come out and if you put a biscuit down for like a second, they're, they're there. They're crawling out of there and get, get there. Got to eat it quick. Um, the handles fell off. 
when you open the door, which is perfect. Great in medical emergencies when you're carrying half semi-conscious people and you can't get in the door, just pass them through the window, it's fine. So, but that, that true story, that actually happened. Um, so yeah, the handles would fall off and oh, just so many things. But you know, that was a way that we could get around. That car saved somebody's life actually off-piste, but I did. There was a person at school who was having a 10-minute seizure and there was no vehicle, and I was like, we've got the green machine, and we all flight like, loads of people, and a, um, you know, a, a very sick child piled in there, and we got them to hospital um, quickly. So, so yes, thank you, Lord, for the green machine. Um, and again, the kind of questions you know, that come with that are, is there something that you feel is too small to bring to God? You know, he already knows about it, but do we kind of pick and choose the things that we bring to God, just the big things, or no, don't worry about that? You know, he wants it all. Like we said to Pushba, he wants all, he wants to be part of your life. He wants to know everybody, he knows every detail, but he, he loves it when you come to him. Um, so yes, the big stuff and the small stuff. Um, and so yeah, the next story, um, there was a really difficult event, and I will cry, but then I'll be fine after, probably. Or maybe now I've said it, I won't, we'll see. Um, so, you know, I've been questioning whether I share Ranjita's story or not. But it was a huge one for us, and I think that it was, it was one full, full of pain, you know, full of painful prayers. Um, and this story does include baby loss, and that's not like all of it, but it's part of it. So I just wanted to highlight that before I begin. But mainly, it kind of it, it talks about the, the, or, or highlights the pain, the painful situations we can be in, and how our prayers are not always answered. And that's really hard, you know? So. Yes, I'm still holding pain myself with this story. So let's have a look at Ranjita, because she's absolutely beautiful. And so this is Ranjita. And we, <laughs> if I get the tears out, <laughs> then it'll be fine. And yeah, me and Will, when we were directors, we um, employed this beautiful woman. Nice look at her face. <laughs> back with you. And Ranjita, obviously, look at that smile, like she is a beautiful lady. And as soon as she came to work in like one of our preschool kitchens, you know, we just knew straight away, absolutely yes. Like, look at that smile, the way that she is with the kids. And so we employed her. Um, and so when we came back this time, we were like, oh, like she's not around. And they're like, yeah, yeah, she's having a baby. Great. Okay, wonderful. And then, you know, we got one of these awful phone calls that had kind of been you know, Ranjita's gone into labour, and we've later found out that she was actually 44 weeks pregnant, but no one had really checked, so that was, and she hadn't had enough money to go to the hospital or go, you know, check out. And, um, and I think that's what's painful in, the, in sharing this story, it's all the situations that lead up to, to kind of what happened, and, you know, those questions of God, like, why did that happen? And at that stage, that could have been stopped, and at that stage, um, but I'll leave that one with you, God. And, you know, her, her married, married life was less than ideal, so... Husband was not great, and um, so, so she'd gone into labour and sadly had, had delivered a stillborn. She, the baby had died, but we were, you know, all devastated for her, but straight away, things just suddenly got bad, and she started bleeding out, and there was loads of complications, but the hospital just said they wouldn't treat her, so she had to be moved, but the husband had no credit on his phone to ring for help, didn't have enough money for that. So he kind of managed to move her in an auto rickshaw, which just like let that sink in, and try and get her the help that she needed. Um, and unfortunately, she died by the time she'd got to the hospital. 
And it was just awful because we were really praying, like faith-filled prayers. When we heard it was going, we got the kids and, you know, I'm crying in the bedroom. Mommy, what's wrong? I'm like, we need to pray for this woman and she's got an eight-year-old son that we need to be praying for. And we're all praying and praying. And you get that news that it's all gone wrong. And, you know, that night, um, something happened that really kind of has helped me. And I feel like God spoke really clearly because there was an almighty thunderstorm. Like, not just a thunderstorm. It was, it was unbelievable. I was questioning whether it was just in, in my head and God was speaking to me or if it had actually happened. And, you know, the lightning was, like, going across the sky. The, the, it was like a drum kit on the roof. You know, you've got these flat roofs. And we're lying there and it was, doo, 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 like, cracking. And it just happened. It was all night. And we just felt, wow, like, her life mattered to God. That, that's what I felt. I felt like, God, this is God's comment on this. He doesn't want that to happen. And he's angry, and he, you know, about the situation, but he, he's very present, you know. So um, we don't know why that, that prayer, those prayers weren't answered. We don't know why she had to lose her life. And, and you know, I, I'm angry that her situation meant that that happened. Um, but I know that, like, praying about it brings peace. And coming back to God, like, he loved her way more than I loved her. Way, way more, you know. And he loves... All of us and those with pain, he can handle that pain. The more I pray about this situation, the more I share her story. Um, that was only a tiny bit of tears compared to the last time. So it's definitely, I'm definitely healing as I share it. But, you know, God loves us to bring our pain to him. Um, so, again, the questions are, are you holding pain? Which I'm, I'm guessing a lot of us are in different ways. And are you able to talk to God about your pain? Do you feel like God's abandoned you in that pain? And there's definitely space today for us to bring some of that pain to God. And I know that sometimes it's not good in an environment like this, um, but sometimes it is, and we're surrounded with our brothers and sisters that will pray with us. So, undercover prayer ground is my next story. Um, I think we're kind of like ticking the four Ps as we go through. So in Arissa, where we were, it's pretty dangerous to be a Christian, um, it is illegal to convert a Hindu to a Christian. So if you, you know, you're sharing good news with Pushpa and she becomes a Christian, it's kind of like a bit dodgy. Got to be careful. Um, and some of you will know that the story of Graham Stewart, who was an Australian missionary in 1999, who died along with two of his children in Orissa, which we didn't know about until after we'd done a few trips, um, at the hands of some Hindu extremists. And his wife continued to stay after that and to keep doing the work that God has kind of put on her heart. So the danger of believing in Jesus, his death, his resurrection, his love for us, his love for the world, yeah, it is a dangerous thing to kind of be a Christian in Arissa. Now, at my school, at your day-to-day place where I'd be, you know, you saw the picture, chatting to staff, helping to train staff, just basically walking up and down a corridor every day and chatting to people. Um, there was, yeah, I'd be there every single day. And every day, people would say, Lucy, can you pray for me? And I'd be praying for their people's sick kids, um, their wife to conceive, praying for financial breakthroughs. And most of the time, I'd just pray there and then, because I knew that otherwise it wouldn't happen. I'd get home with this long list, and then be like, ah, oh, I can't even function myself, let alone pray for these people. So often, I'd just say, yeah, 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 come in, just come into this room. Not, you know, just kind of out of the way of, and I'd get somebody else, oh, Jackie, come and help me pray. And we'd just quickly pray. Um, and one day, uh, I walked into school, and the head teacher was pretty sick. You know, she was doubled over in pain, laid out on a bed. 
And um, I was like, what's going on? She was like, I can't, like, it feels like stabbing pains, and, you know, I can't do anything. And um, so I just thought, right, I just need to pray right now. And she had a staff meeting to do in, like, one minute. So I was like, I just prayed really quickly. It was a one-minute popcorn prayer. Like, please, Jesus, healer. Like, and just, you know, kind of went for it for a minute, not caring who else could hear. Um, and just prayed really boldly in the name of Jesus, be healed. And then I was like... I'm going to go and do your staff meeting for you. <laughs> just stay there. You know, I, I kind of prayed and then thought, but you're probably not going to like, just be okay in a minute, so I'll go and do the practical thing. So off I go to try to wing a staff meeting that I've got no idea what it meant to, was meant to happen. And about 30 seconds after I started the meeting, she just walked in, smiling. And I was like, there you go. And she just carried on. And typical India, you don't have time to actually communicate about what happened because there's a million other things happening. Um, and so, you know, we just carried on with our day. And the next week, we had a training day. And so the kids weren't there, but all the, the teachers were, and everyone was sick, like eyes, like streaming, or I think it was after the eclipse thing. And everyone was saying, oh, the, the lunar eclipse or the solar eclipse has made us all sick. And, okay. Um, and so everyone was ill anyway, <laughs> regardless of what you think about that. And um, so I just said, right, shall we just all stand up? 50 staff, it's standing in a circle, mainly Hindus. And if you're sick, can you just step forward, like into the middle, and we're just going to pray. Like, whoever you're praying to, we need, to, we need some breakthrough here. And everyone's like, oh, yeah, yeah, I'm really excited about that. So they all stepped forward. And the head teacher said, well, hold on a minute. And I was like, oh, thinking, am I not meant to, am I allowed to do this? And she said, I need to tell you something. And I was like, oh, okay. So she told the whole group of 50 people that last week, she was laid with stabbing pain. She couldn't move. She was like, couldn't even go home. She was that ill. And that I came and prayed in the name of Jesus, and she instantly felt better. So she was able to then come and do this, you know, the meeting. And she's telling people this. She's saying, guys, we need to pray to Jesus. You know, and all these Hindus, oh, right, okay. So we just prayed. You know, we then prayed for everybody in the middle, but I was just so encouraged. Like, oh, wow, if I'd said this, it's going to come from, you know, the English person. And, but to have, it, to have her say to her people, her testimony of what happened, I was just like, this is amazing. So I was really encouraged by that story. And, and it became a bit of an underground, uh, undercover prayer ground, that school. You know, we'd be whizzing around and different people praying for each other. And, you know, seeing small things happen, seeing big things happen, seeing instant healings, seeing healings that, you know, took a couple of weeks. Um, and so it was just really exciting. So... My, my question for this one is, you know, are we expecting God's power to flow through us? You know, if we go back, just whiz back, um, you don't have to do it on the slides, but, you know, he, doesn't, he does it not by pushing us around, but by working within us, his spirit, deeply and gently within us. Are we praying for healing, expecting that? Are we expecting his power to flow within us? What context has God got you in at the minute? And how might he use your prayers when you boldly step out? And so my final story um, is called Ready to Give Up. And <laughs> this is a daily experience for us, Will, over the last few months. But um, we had multiple times when things would, were really tough. 
not just the big things that, you know, like Ranjita's story, but just general life. And one instance in particular, we were coming to the end of our third week, which we've now identified as the worst week, whether you're coming back to England or going somewhere different. Always look out for us on week three, guys. Um, mentally, we're tired, like we've been on high alert, trying to like, frogs are in your sink, there's a dripping tap, it's not, stop, dripping all day and night. Um, you've got cockroaches under your beds. You're just like, they're dead, dead, lying like this. And you're thinking, God, are you killing these cockroaches for us? Because cockroaches, like, don't usually die. I feel like every time I talk, I talk about cockroaches. Sorry, but it's just a common theme in my life. And, um, you know, there are just, like, so many things, like you'd unplug the fridge because you needed to put the kettle in because you only had one plug, and then you'd forget that you've plugged the kettle in and your whole fridge is, like, leaking down the thing. The kids are slipping on it, or, I don't know, the power's cut off, which means that you can't um, get any water, which means you can't flush the toilet, because you do that with a bucket, you know, or wash your clothes, and, you know, there's just so many things, like, ah, oh. and, um, you know, we were just getting fe really fed up, and so we just, pre I just sent out, like, this prayer request, like, of all prayer requests, just kind of listing everything that's going on, and just, like, please pray for us, and we're five and a half hours ahead in India, so we, um, you know, we, I kind of like, we just went to bed, like, fed up. I don't think we even spoke about it. We just, ah, send it out and just go to bed. And um, we went to bed, and I could see my phone kept lighting up, you know, throughout the night. It was everyone's prayers flowing in. Amy was, like, praying, like, beautiful long prayers. Rebecca was other people. And um, so in the morning, like, I can't, you can't explain it. And it sounds just silly, but everything was different. Everything. We woke up, like, for the first time in three weeks, so we didn't have, like, that horrible feeling in your throat where you're just like anxious and we felt like we don't even care about the tap like the tap just suddenly wasn't even a thing you know and it just and I know this can maybe silly examples but like the presence God's presence fell on that house you know in a way that we just can't explain you know for both of us to feel physically better we just felt physically less stressed like we were still sweating and the, the electricity was off so the fans were off so our clothes were sticking to us but we just felt like there was real breakthrough when we reached out, um, and I am nearly done, so Banji can probably start to head back up. Um, reaching out and asking for prayer, the peace fell. You know, peace fell over us, it fell over our house, it fell over our children. And there's just, you know, I think Jesus brings peace. He brings incredible peace. And of course, he's not going to let us struggle just until we pray. But I think when we reach out and when we, when we pray and when we say, I can't do this anymore, I need your help, then there's breakthrough. So, you know, a sure sign of the presence of God is peace. And whenever making a big decision or a small one, my dad used to ask me, what do you feel peaceful about? I'd be like, oh, dad, what do you mean what do I feel peaceful about? Nothing. But as I've got older, I'm like, yeah, what, where, where is the peace? Let's follow that peace. And, you know, I think that as we pray, God can bring peace into some of the most challenging situations. So I'm just going to read Ephesians again, uh, 3 verse 20. God can do anything, you know, far more than you could ever imagine or guess or request in your wildest dreams. I'm going to hold on to that. He does it not by pushing us around, but by working within us his spirit deeply and gently within us. So let's be a praying people. That's my encouragement today. Let's talk to God and let's reach out to others and ask them to talk to God for us and with us as well, you know? 
So we're just going to take a few minutes now, I guess, to kind of respond. And as I was writing down some of these stories, I just felt like some people are longing to see God's power. Some people are longing to see a move of God, you know, the power of God, and they're so desperate to see that. Speak to God about that today. And some people are really desperate just to feel peace. Yeah? And God wants to give that, and he will give that right now. And some people, for some, you can't even pray because of of some pain or some things that are going on. And that's okay. Yeah? But maybe today we can just have a little bit of time just to either quietly respond to that or to to maybe partner up with somebody and to respond to that. Um, But we'll just use this time and see, see where we go.